So we're finishing up the series called Thanks a Lot. And we've been talking about, since it's a series of uh, uh, the season of Thanksgiving, we were talking about giving thanks. And um, I, uh, uh, we, now we go from giving thanks to owing banks. That's, that's the season we're headed into now, the Christmas season, where uh, you guys are going to go shopping, hopefully uh, get a, bring in a bunch of those Toys for Tots toys. Last year, we gave Christmas to a 1,000 children. So, uh, and their Garden Grove's uh, most neediest kids, we work with 22 different schools who give us the names of these students that uh, many are living in motels, living in cars, and um, uh, are living in uh, poverty. So, uh, it just blows my mind that a church our size uh, does so much of this stuff. It's just, it's incredible. I tell other, pa- well, I brag, actually. I don't tell them uh, I'm bragging. And, um, but I just brag about you guys all the time and just how wonderful you are. So thanks, thanks for doing that. Um, I, uh, about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, I flew up to Spokane, Washington, to visit a friend of mine, and um, I took an airline called Spirit Airlines. Oh, you've you've been on Spirit Airlines, yeah. I've renamed it Crush Your Spirit Airlines because that's apparently what is in their mission statement. We will we will annoy every passenger that ever boards our plane, and what they do, it's kind of sneaky, uh, you'll go online and you'll say, I, I need to fly to Spokane. And then they're like, yeah, that, that, the flight is 73 cents. And you're like, awesome, I'll take it. And so then you sign up and uh, you get there. And 73 cents was just the ability to reserve the seat. If you actually want to use the seat, that's another $125. And then uh, if you like to board the plane, that's another $4. And they just keep going and going and going and going until uh, the flight actually ended up costing you $675 to go on Crusher Spirit Airlines. So uh, I'm on the plane, and literally everyone on board is angry. Now, can you imagine having a business? <laughs> I mean, it happens here on some Sundays, but my point is that, can you, can you imagine, like, your business, your, everyone who's using your product is mad at you, and this is what was happening. So I was watching a m- movie on my laptop. I opened my laptop. That was $7. Um, LAUGHTER uh, and uh, so I was watching a movie on my laptop, and I, I wanted to order a cup of coffee. Now, in most normal airlines that aren't run by the Nazis, uh, <laughs> the coffee's free. Like, you, you know, you know you're going to pay for a meal and all that kind of stuff or what have you. But the coffee usually is free, soda's free or whatever. So I said, you know, I, I'd like a cup of coffee. And the stewardess says, that'll be $2.50 because... Uh, that's the way Crusher Spirit Airlines operates. And so I, I'm just like, whatever. I, I'm like so uh, far. I just, I, I just, all I was dreading was my return flight home. That's all I thought about. I thought about maybe booking it with somebody else. So I get my cup of coffee and I started laughing out loud on the plane. And so I took a picture of that cup of coffee. You're going to think that my $2.50 cup of coffee. You're going to think this is a joke. This is my actual cup of coffee that I got for two, right? 
like a cup of coffee you'd see at an AA meeting. That's what I got for $2.50. And, and so I, I was just like, this is ridiculous. This is like, this is unfair. This is, this is, you know, my expectations were a certain, I had a certain level of expectations. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get back to my cup of coffee in just a little bit. But I want to uh, read a section of scripture that we're, I'm hoping, I'm hoping by the end, my goal is by the end of this uh, morning, that you will uh, keep some portion of the scripture in the back of your mind. And that this scripture will reframe how you step into the Christmas season. Next week, we're going to start a new series called Regift, And we're going to be talking about all the things that God has given us that for the sole purpose of we need to wrap it up and give it back out again. Okay, and so we'll be talking about that for four weeks. Um, but, uh, but hopefully, as you think about having to bike things and having to rush around and long lines or whatever. They'll be kind of like last week where we talked about standing on the door and knocking. Hopefully you guys this uh, last week heard, heard the voice of the Lord knock on the door of your heart. But um, hopefully it'll do the same type of thing. That there'll be something in your mind as things begin to unravel uh, that will remind you about the, the series uh, section of scripture we're going to read. We're reading out of a, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Philippi, okay? And he wrote it while he was in jail. So it's, a, it's like a prison letter. He's in, in chains and he writes this letter to this church. And what's cool about the letter to the church in Philippi is that, it, you know, in some of the letters Paul writes, he's chastising the church. And so you read it and you're just kind of like, wow, man, Paul's really kind of going off on these people. Not... In the Philippians. In Philippians, it's super encouraging. But towards the end, Paul says something that you think is kind of, I don't know, arrogant, I guess. Here's what he says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. <laughs> so basically, here's what Paul's going. Eh? Eh? Whatever... Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And you think, man, I don't know. I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that to anyone, you know, like, hey, I just want you to know. But I started thinking about it a little bit more. I actually would feel comfortable saying it to someone depending on what the subject was. Like, for example, I've been super duper happily married for 29 years. We'll be married for 30 years in, in August. Well, I'd want you to know how we do that, right? You know, it's basically a, a race to the back of the line. That's, that's kind of what we say. In, that's what a healthy marriage is. You race to the back of the line. And so, uh, so I, I would say that. I, I started thinking about other things. You know, um, Lisa and I go to the, the same gym and there's a tra trainer there. And what he does every time, every class, is he starts out by demonstrating how to do it correctly, like when you do your, pick the horrible exercise, squats or whatever, this is how your back is supposed to be aligned. This is what your arms are supposed to be doing. This is how you uh, stop injury in your joints. Uh, we do it with uh, weight loss. Maybe you've, you've done something, some paleo cleanse thing or something, something gluten-free or whatever. Um, and maybe you've done that and you've lost like 40 pounds and somebody says, but how'd you do that? And you go, oh. 
The thing that you've seen in me, put it into practice. Now, this is great when it comes to things like relationships, when it comes to things like our weight or how we look, or maybe it's finances and someone says, yeah, you want to do fine financially? Here are some principles that you should do. Do what we did. This is it. But watch what you see what's at stake for Paul. See, for Paul, it's not just... Hey, do what I do because uh, you'll, uh, you'll be happy. You'll be, you know, all, all these different things. You'll be wealthy. You, you know, you'll live a long life. Look at, look at what he says. Look what's at stake for this. And the God of peace will be with you. That's what's at stake. That the God of peace would actually be with you. You'd sense his presence. So, so, so let, let me put it this way. As we enter the Christmas season and it gets, it gets, starts to get crazy or whatever. Or maybe you start to lose the real meaning of Christmas, the birth of Christ. A Savior is born to us. And you say, man, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if I could exchange that stress, exchange that worry, exchange that angst for the God of peace? This is what Paul's saying. He's like, it's possible. Just whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, any of those things, put it into practice. Now, what comes next seems completely out of the blue. Um, basically, he's going to be thanking them for a gift that he, that they, he received from them. But, but I, I think it actually goes with the verse we're looking at right now. See, if I go backwards... And it says this, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. He could almost in the next statement say, it's like that gift you gave me. Okay. They're tied together. He's not just stopping. Watch what he says. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. So he, 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 he got this gift. He's in prison. He has nothing. And he's chained up, okay? So he has maybe some parchments uh, that, that uh, he had for study. Um, he's got the clothes on his back and maybe an extra cloak or what have you. Uh, but but th- that's about it. And so he, uh, he's thanking them for this gift because back then, it wasn't like it is with us now where you have the, um, you know, the, the state takes care of you. you. You had to be funded, essentially, when you were in prison by a friend or family member or whatever. And so they give him this gift. And so he's thanking them. And he, and he says, you know, you, indeed, you were concerned, uh, but you had no opportunity to show it. And then in this thank you, he says something really bizarre. If you, if you tie it to the thank you. But it's not bizarre at all if you tie it to the previous two verses. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. It's like that gift you gave me that you show concern for. I rejoice greatly, but I'm not saying this because I am in need. Now, just think about that. Paul's saying, I received the gift, which doesn't really sound much like a thank you, right? I mean, how do you thank somebody if you don't, 
if you don't feel like you've got a need for it. You know, someone gives you a jacket and you're like, oh my goodness, thank you so much, a jacket. I've got 17 of these. I didn't need it. It's not like that. What he's saying is, I was not in a position where I was looking for something else to satisfy a need. This is what he's talking about. That he's, he, you can get to a place where even though you receive the gift, you receive the money, you receive the thing that, that, is, that brings joy to you, it's not that you needed that thing for the joy. Does that make sense? So he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. And then he makes this incredible statement that I hope we take into next week and the, and the coming month. For I have learned to be content. I have learned to be content. Do you know why this is so encouraging? You can learn to be content. You can actually learn how to be content. Now this is freeing because typically we think of contentment as arrival. We've arrived. I'm discontent in my little one-bedroom apartment. I'm content in my four-bedroom house. I'm discontent in my minimum wage job. I'm content with my six-figure income. I'm discontent being single. I'm somewhat content. No, I'm just joking about it. I'm, I'm content being married. I'm discontent because I want children. I'm content when I have children, for the most part. Uh, <laughs> Avesis, at times. Right? I've learned, but he's saying it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with arrival. It has nothing to do with with. with a month down the road, a year down the road, when everything's working out, when everything's all firing on all cylinders, when all your dreams, I'm discontent now, but I'll be content in retirement. No, you can actually learn to be content, which means you can be content right now. I didn't say happy, okay? There's a oftentimes, more than you'd think, I hear people say, God just wants me to be happy. He, he does not want you to be happy. I mean, maybe, but that's not the goal. The, 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 the goal is that he wants you to be holy, not happy. And in being holy, you will find a contentment because you'll be like Christ. And Christ, above all, was content and joyful. And so he says, I've learned to be content. Now think about this. If I told you, hey, um, do, you, do you play the piano? And you're like, no, no, I never learned how to play the piano. Oh, okay. Do you play the guitar? No, I never learned. I never learned. Do you know another language? I never learned another language. And then we say, are you content? Like, well, if once we get the, no, 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 no. <laughs> you haven't learned to be content. If, if your whole life is just the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. It's just a fact. You haven't learned how to be content. Now, here's the wonderful thing. You can learn. Just like you can learn how to play the piano. You learn to be content. They got YouTube videos on it. How to be content. Look at, no, I'm just kidding. You don't. Now, you say, John, you, if you understood my life, you wouldn't be content either. That might be the case. I'm, I struggle with this as well. 
Like said, well, you know, if you just knew how, how miserable my life is, how miserable my job is, if you knew how much, if you saw my bank account, you'd change your mind. Paul, if you knew about me, what I know about me, you wouldn't have written this to me. Because my situation is different. Well, he unfortunately debunks that by saying, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter where you are financially. It doesn't matter where you are in your relationships. It doesn't matter where you are uh, in, in, in some goals that you had. Whatever the circumstances, we can learn to be content. He goes on because it's, it's hard for people to wrap their head around this idea that it's whatever circumstances. So he wants to begin to define what these things are. He says, I know what it is to be in need. And he, he certainly does. He's, he's, like I said, he's in prison. He is up to this point. His ministry has been hard. Okay, now there have been times of joy. He spent some times with some other churches that were fine. But the, 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 the entirety of his ministry has been exhausting. It's been hard. Uh, there's a section of scripture that talks about, he just lists all these things he's had to go through. And then at the very end of this list, he says, and I've also had the pressure of all these churches. And it's like, you think, man, I had forgotten about the actual ministry part of what Paul did. Dealing with people and making decisions and dealing with leadership. As Paul says, I, I know what it's like to be in need. And then, and this is really our situation here. And I know what it is to have plenty. Here's what I've found in my own life. Just as I've kind of been on this earth for the, these past 37 years. Um, the more I have and the more I accomplish, sometimes the less content I am. Isn't that weird? You would think it was just the opposite. Like, like when Lisa and I got married, uh, we got married right out of college and we went into this little um, duplex place. And our rent was $560 a month, and, uh, which almost threw us into bankruptcy. Uh, but it was tiny, one bedroom, uh, one bath, a little kitchen, and a little like w w what you wouldn't call a living room because it was hard to live there, but uh, it just kind of this little room, right? I was so content. We made the least amount of money, and I had the least amount of financial issues, right? But, you know, more money, more problems. So that's the problem. Uh, but I, we were content. And then you start, then we bought a house. And you think, wow, you buy a house. Well, then stuff starts going wrong with the house. And I can't call up the landlord. I just would be talking to myself. And I got to fix this. I got to fix that. And then it, it goes, oftentimes when we have plenty, that's when we're the least content because we are gathering information about what other people have or what, where we're headed. Paul says, look, I, I, I know what it's like to be content and I know what it's like to have plenty. In both cases, here's what he says. I have learned the secret of being content. Now, doesn't that make you want to just like go, if it's a secret, doesn't it sound more important? If I said, oh, I, Lisa and I, we have this secret. He'd be like, ooh, what is that, right? Well, Paul's going, I know, 
I have a secret. I know the secret. At the end of this sermon, I'm going to tell you exactly what the secret is. So it won't be a secret anymore. And it really isn't because a lot of people have read this before. Uh, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. He goes on, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I have learned the secret. So, let's go back to my cup of coffee. (laughs) Told you I'd get back to it. Can't stand the airlines. Can't stand the trickery and conniving nature of their business model. Uh, It wasn't even good coffee, right? It was in a styrofoam cup. So let's say I take a little time travel. I go back to Paul. I read the book of Philippians and I'm like, that's, I want to go talk to Paul and ask him about every situation and everything you've learned the secret. If you're going to tell me a secret, I'm going to put it into practice. You said whatever that I've learned or received or heard from you uh, or seen in you, put it into practice. I want to know. So Paul, Paul's like, he's chained up. He's in prison. I go to give him a hug. He's like, I, I can't. I just, I'm stuck here. Right? So I give him a hug. I tell him, hey, and he ask him how he's doing. How's everything? He's like, oh, got nothing to complain about. Just in chains here. Say, man, I thought, well, let me, I'll, bet, I'll bet I could come up with a thing where you wouldn't be content. What if you were beaten with rods? He's like, oh, yeah, happened three times. I was content. Oh, man, what if, what if you were shipwrecked? Ah, he's like, done it another three times. Been shipwrecked three times. Okay, what if, what if you were uh, lashed and beaten by the Jews like 39 times, uh, already happened, several times that happened to me. You were content during all that time? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've learned the secret. Oh, man. And he's like, I've even been stoned. And then I say, like, we don't, that means something different in the future, okay? So <laughs> we'll just say people threw rocks at you. How's that? Yeah, okay, fine. Parsing of, parsing of words. That one's going to come back to bite me. I got it. Okie doke. Uh, it's Jonathan at livingspring.com. All your, all your thing. And then he tells me, hey, hey, John, uh, so what, what, how's it been going? I'm like, oh, man, you'll never guess what happened. I went on Spirit Airlines. And Paul's just like, what's an airline? Oh, it's where you, like, you fly from one place to another. And Paul's like, you can fly? I'm like, not me personally, but you get into a tube. And it goes like 300 miles an hour, and it's 30,000 feet in the air. And Paul would just be like, what are you complaining about? Like, are you, do they, are you chained? Like, on Spirit Airlines you are. No. Uh, <laughs> no, you can, well, you got to buckle, and you can get up, you know, if you need to use the restroom. You can use the restroom while you fly? Yeah, I, yeah, we can. But let me, you're messing up my story, Paul. Okay, we'll get to it. I was watching this movie on my laptop. What's a laptop? It's this computer. I don't have time to get into it. What's a movie? It's where people act and they go and it's like and a thing, right? You see where I'm going with this, right? And then I say, I ordered a cup of coffee and it came in a styrofoam cup at 30,000 feet at 300 miles an hour to Spokane, which is what? That's like a three-minute flight. <laughs> and yet I couldn't be content. I was upset. 
physically upset at drinking a coffee out of a styrofoam cup while I'm flying. (laughs) How sad is that? Don't you want to find another church? (laughs) Aren't you disappointed in the pastor? Like, I read the Bible for a living. And I'm I'm, I'm, I'm upset about that. Listen, we are all guilty of the same thing if we don't know the secret. If we know the secret, then I could have said, oh, it's coffee. What what do I care? Yeah, here's the $2. But Lord, thank you so much. I I could have told Paul. See, I gave him my credit card. Oh, forget it. He wouldn't know what that is either. Like, Like, think about that. Think about where we are in America. It's incredible. So, you want to know the secret? You guys probably already know what it is. Tim Tebow would wear it on his eyes underneath when he'd throw in completions. Uh, Yeah, poor guy. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. See, it does not matter what our circumstances are. It doesn't matter what our week looks like coming up. It doesn't matter what our finances are at. It doesn't matter what, we're, what the, the injustice we're going through. We can do all things through him who gives us strength. I can learn to be content by learning to become like Jesus. That's the secret. The more my life represents the life of Christ, serving others, in a heart for serving others, that solves a lot of discontentment issues, does it not? Where you're thinking about somebody else than yourself, wow, that's just like Jesus. A heart for the poor, a heart for the alien. A heart for those who, uh, a heart of compassion for those who are disenfranchised. That all, all you're doing is becoming like Christ. If my heart is about those who are disenfranchised, what my bank account? I'm not disenfranchised, so I should be content. If my heart is the heart of Christ, if my actions are actions of Christ, that is the secret. So, this coming weeks. As we step into Christmas, as we step into the season, and we find ourselves not content. And I know there are some issues that are tough. I I know I I grew up poor. I know what Christmas can bring uh, as far as just wanting to do so much, but you just can't because your bank account doesn't allow it. And it brings a lot of stress and it brings a lot of um, angst. But I know we can do it. I know you can get through it. I know you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Some of you right now have people in your family that are struggling all different ways. I know God can see you through it. I, I, I know you can do it through Christ who, who can give you strength. So the question I have for you this morning and for me as we move in, into the week. When a time comes when you're not content... Maybe you're looking at something you have and you want it replaced with something new or you look at something you don't have and you want to get something to fill that void. Ask yourself this. 
how would Christ respond in this situation? How would Christ, what, what, what needs to happen to renew my mind, to have the mind of Christ? That is the secret. You might have a situation where, yeah, your bank account isn't the best. He can see you through that. Relationships that are tough. Maybe a marriage that's struggling. I know for a fact that he can see you through those dark times. I know for a fact he can see you through your bouts of depression, your bouts of anxiety. For some of you, holidays bring up a lot of memories of maybe somebody, a loved one, who's now not here anymore. And so you look at that table and there was a plate that was empty that would have been filled by somebody you love. I know he can see you through that. I know that, he can, that you can do all things through him who gives you strength. 